So tell me about what the product is like right now, where the company's at today. Sure. So um, right now, the, the first product that we launched with is the window solar charger. It's a 10 watt solar panel inside of a bamboo frame that you can hang in your window to charge up small USB devices. It's it really designed. Cool. What'd you say? It looks cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank like you. it like looks like it looks like a piece of like window art. Yes, it's designed to look like home decor to like help people think about solar a little differently. Like Welcome to the Small Business Storytellers, the show where we dive deep into the stories and secrets of businesses focused on not just making money, but making the world a better place. My name is Seth Silvers, and my passion is helping businesses grow that are making the world a better place. Every episode, you will hear from transformational leaders and business owners as we dive into what has helped them grow and what has helped them stay true to themselves along the way. Also, Every week we are hosting live conversations with our guests on Fireside Chat, where we give you, the audience, the opportunity to ask them your burning questions. So make sure to join us live on Fireside Chat on your mobile device. Let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Small Business Storytellers. On today's show, we're gonna talk about how no act is too small when it's coming to energy and solar and helping to create more renewable energy sources. And I think this is an important conversation to have. So today we have the founder of Group Hug, Crystal Persad with us. And I'm excited to learn because this is an industry I know a ton, ton about. And so we hope you can learn as well. Crystal, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk about solar. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so looking forward to this just because solar is something that like, at least in my impression, like I don't know anybody that can like, there's not much, I don't know if there's bad things you can say about solar. Like, I think there, it's are. <laughs> there are from some, but I feel like most people have pretty good opinions of like solar energy, Yeah, uh, but there's still a really slow adoption rate. And so Definitely. I think it's just kind of an interesting thing, but let's get into your story a little bit first. Um, sure. You're a young entrepreneur, young CEO, and you're leading a solar company. So how did this journey start for you and how did you get into solar? Yeah, it's a, um, like many things, it wasn't a totally straight path. I actually spent the first chunk of my career as a toy designer. So I, I actually was a to like an electronic toy designer for like seven years, um, right out of college before I, before I quit to sort of figure out what I wanted to do next in life. Um, it was a uh, like STEM, STEAM sort of electronic toy startup. I worked all the time. Um, we made a lot of cool things. Probably the coolest thing I made was a um, remote controlled robotic build your own R2D2 toy, cool. which was like, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So I was like, yeah. this is the coolest thing I'm ever going to do. I That's have to awesome. Do I know that. one of the companies in Colorado, like an engineering company made the... Um, the got what's the circle droids name uh sphero the bb8 yeah sphero so yeah i knew so some people that were connected to sphero here in colorado and it was a big deal because they made the bb8 droid yes. and it like blew up i had one of those so actually small world sphero actually bought little bits the company that i used to work at very cool that's so awesome. I, I had a bunch of friends. So I think for me, it was such an influential experience because I was like employee number three there. I was one of the founding members of the company. Um, 
I mean, I was like 23 at the time and like really didn't know my way around mm-hmm. the world yet, but I learned so much from, from being there. Um, I was admittedly like pretty burnt out towards the end. I actually left like right before the Sphero acquisition, kind of knowing that things were going to change a little bit and I wanted to do something else. Um, I got, I got into solar, um, mostly because of a personal need, honestly, I, so after I quit that job, it was sort of the first time that I was like in my apartment, like what, what should I do? And I went through this phase of just like cleaning and like redecorating because all of a sudden I was spending so much time at home, kind of like now with, with um, COVID and everything. And I, um, I'd always been really interested in sustainability. Like since I was in college, um, that, that's sort of where I got into it. And I was very into like zero waste and um, eating less meat and like adopting all these habits. And then I realized that like at my apartment, I wasn't doing any of these things. So I, I did this audit and I changed a bunch of stuff. And then I got to a point where I was like, oh, like I want to use renewable energy. Like I, I did all these other things like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And like days later after researching it, I still like didn't know what to do. Um, and it sort of made me think like if I'm like a pretty technical person and like can't cannot figure out how I can do anything in solar, like how does anyone figure this out? And that sort of frustration really piqued my, my interest. That's awesome. And I, I think so many businesses are born out of those moments where people are realizing, Hey, I have this problem and there's just not as easy of solutions. And, um, I'm sure, you know, it, it's probably different too in New York than it is here in Colorado or yeah. where like, you know, we have more traditional neighborhoods where people will, come to your door and try and sell you solar. Yeah. If you're living in a super urban area where there's, you know, a bunch of people living in a high rise or something, you're probably not going to have the same opportunities like that. Yeah. So where did it start? Like, what was your first move once you realized like, okay, I want to get into renewable energy. And was, was it that you wanted to start a company like right from the, from the get go? Um, it was a little bit of both. Honestly, I, I did, I did leave little bits knowing that I wanted to do something on my own, but I didn't like know what it was going to be yet. Um, I knew I wanted it to be in the sustainability space because it was something I was personally really passionate about. And I think it's also, this is a couple of years ago, but like clearly it was something that was becoming a bigger need and like we needed more people working on it. Um, And I think once the solar idea sort of got stuck in my brain, I did sort of like tunnel vision on it because I just like couldn't stop thinking about how like, you know, this is um, sort of like what you were saying in the beginning, like a lot of people think about solar and like know about solar and like know that it's a key to, you know, helping us transition to clean energy and, and reducing emissions. But then it's like, okay, do it. And you're like, what, I don't know what to do. Like, what should I do? Um, So I, I sort of like out of the gate stuck with it. Um, the, the first thing I did, I think just because I'm kind of a maker at heart was I made a prototype. I like, I literally met a friend of mine who's an engineer, like at a pizza shop and was like, I'm going to build this thing. Um, and he, you know, sort I asked a lot of people, they sort of helped me figure it out. And then, you know, many bad prototypes later, I had like a working one and I was like, Oh, like this is it. This is interesting. And I think for me, I started with the window just because I live in an apartment and was like, I want to do one thing to like, figure this out. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stick one on my window. Yeah. So was, 
was the first prototype, uh, was it one of the solar cats or what did the first prototype look like? No, it wasn't. It was honestly like, um, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. It sort of looked like, um, I have it, I have it somewhere like in my room, like in a drawer. Yeah. Cause I was like, I'm going to keep this, but I, I sort of bought, I bought parts like off the internet and I, I'm a big fan of Adafruit. It's like an electronic store online. So I bought like Adafruit, like an Adafruit kit about solar Um, so it was kind of like a Frankenstein of like a products I took apart and then like, I cut it into like shapes that I wanted it to be, but it, it honestly kind of looked like a little blue rectangle with like dangly battery bits. And I literally taped it on my window, um, just to see if like the electronics part worked. Yeah. It looked, it looked horrible, but it technically worked. So when you, when you got to hang it up on your window, then was there this moment of like, okay, I'm going to sell this to the world, to a bunch of people. Uh, when did it kind of transition? I imagine with all the dangly parts and all that, you know, a prototype is not a sellable product. So yeah, how did it get to the place where you were then having products that you were selling to consumers? Yeah. So after I had that piece, um, I, I'm like a trained industrial designer and I can do like electronics prototyping, but I'm, my specialty isn't really designing the electronics for like mass production. So after I had my like cut together prototype, I, um, started talking to some friends of like, Hey, can somebody help me take this design and do like a version two that we could actually like do a small run of to see if it actually works. So Mm -hmm. it's sort of like, there were honestly like a dozen prototypes between that first dangly one and then one that like looks remotely what it looks like today. Mm-hmm. But I think after I had like five working ones, um, I would give them to like friends and family. And then it got to a point where um, I posted about it on Instagram and stuff and somebody like a friend wanted to buy one. And I was like, Oh, interesting. Um And then I think it sort of escalated where I maybe had five and then I did a run of like 20 and then I sold them. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, Oh, okay. Made a website, made another run of 20, sold them again. And was like, okay, maybe this is a, maybe this is a thing. Um, And then from there, I sort of decided to do a Kickstarter to, to be, cause I was just paying for all the prototypes um, yeah. to just be like, okay, let's see if we can sell enough to do like a full production run, which is typically like a thousand. Um, and then that became sort of the new goal. Yeah. And so how did that, how did that Kickstarter go? Um, it went really well. We were able, we were able to raise $70,000, um, awesome. and put that money towards a full production run. And then from there it was sort of like, okay, this is, this is a thing now. Yeah. It, I, I sort of had different contingency plans. Like, okay, if it doesn't make it this might just be like a hobby, you know, which is fine. Um, but then once I saw that we could sell a thousand, right. uh, Started to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I think it's important to go a little bit deeper into the problem. Uh, you know, why is, why do we need stuff like this? Like for kind of people that have not dove into the solar world that haven't dove into all of this, how can we, um, like, why is it important that we are changing up how we're using energy when like for this interview, I came into my office and my computer's working and my microphone's working and my phone got charged today. And it was a pretty seamless experience. Like I pay a little bit in utilities each month, like help me understand why that system is broken and why we might need to change some of the things that we're doing. 
Yeah, totally. So maybe on, on the biggest, on without, without, I don't know how, I don't know, I might, this might come across too technical, but kind of on the, on the biggest level, right? The way that most um, utilities make electricity is through power plants that burn fossil fuels that emit harmful emissions into the air. Um, also, you know, that, that there, there's so many different layers of, of badness right. to it, um, you know, that causes, um, heat to get trapped, that causes communities around it to, to have harmful effects. Um, and all of that is sort of pointing to, um, the, the bigger sort of, uh, bigger climate changes like global warming and, and like, um, I think the, the IP, CC report just came out last week, yeah. which was like a, a big a big deal in, in climate and I think in news in general, just saying that, yeah, we're we're going towards like a 1.5 degrees Celsius change. And that is that's gonna that's going to change a lot of ecosystems and it's bad. And it's it's sort of all of those things are are pointing to that. So on, on the biggest level that um and somewhere that like initially somewhere, whenever we're using general electricity, like somewhere something is being burned. Yes. Is that basically. like an accurate statement? Like, I don't know yeah. where, but like somewhere down the supply chain, like something is being burned and there's going to be some kind of emission. Definitely. Obviously it depends what kind, like um, the, I will see if I can explain this really quickly. Like the basics of how a traditional power plant work is that, you know, you pick your, you pick your fuel, let's say it's coal, you um, burn it. You're burning the coal actually just to create heat to boil water to create steam, to spin a turbine, sort of like um, what you can think of as wind turbines, but generates electricity, then that turbine, you know, will generate the electricity. It goes through transformers, through power lines, and then eventually gets to your house. So like, I always think of that, like we're burning all this stuff literally to boil water. Like think of it yeah. like that. It's kind of insane when you think about it. Um, uh, I mean, it really gases, is like, is it different than like when we go camping and we like, light a fire to boil our water like i mean it's it's obviously giant, giant and a different yeah. efficiency but like kind of except except when you boil your water poisonous emissions aren't coming are coming right. out right when you go camping otherwise you probably wouldn't do that because um, how and how is that different like how is that different in a power like from the emissions from a power plant to just like me burning a campfire Oh, interesting. Um, I honestly, I don't, I, I don't know like the specifically off the top of my head, but you yeah. know, burning, burning, de burning different substances will have different types of emissions, right. like, um, burning, burning wood, I think is many, many, many degrees safer than burning. Right. Obviously coal. there's not enough wood in the world for wood, yeah. wood fires, but yeah. yeah. And, exactly. and again, I think that's such a simple picture to kind of see. And just like the big picture of like understanding how that works. Cause a lot of us don't know how that works. And so then yeah. that leads us to like, tell us a little bit about more of like the need for more renewable energy sources. Yeah, definitely. So the thing, um, I'll just talk kind of specifically about solar cause there's so much renewable out there, but, um, the thing about solar is that it's, it's, it can be locally generated clean energy. There's no moving parts. So once once the solar panels are produced, which do have a footprint that will get sort of um, like uh, paid back over time, mm -hmm. literally the way the science works is that you have sunlight hit that solar cell, which are like the blue squares that you see in solar panels. Um, the sort of chemistry and makeup of those cells is that when sunlight hits them, it generates 
occur like a current electricity that electricity is then immediately um, like routed and wired through to either a battery or connect to the grid that goes directly into your home so it literally travels like you know from your roof or from your lawn directly to your home um, and you're you know producing as much as the sunlight as much as the sunlight hits it um, I think I, I think the other thing that's worth noting, although this is like a whole other podcast, is that um, there. <laughs> this might sound kind of alarmist, but like there's kind of a reason why people, a lot of people don't understand how the grid works. There are so many powerful entities and lobbying forces that keep power plants running and it, it's like deeply tied to politics and funding and you know there there are a surprise there there are a surprising amount of ways and like laws that actually keep electricity rates for power plants fixed so that they so that they um you know so that power plants are like basically guaranteed to stay in business and make money um and i i you know i I don't think transparency is at is at the top is at the top of their list when it comes to consumers. And it is a part of why I like working in solar is that electricity is kind of a very confusing thing. You can't you can't really see it. It's um, you know a concept that I think people who are more technical feel comfortable with, but everybody uses it. Mm-hmm. So everyone I think should be a little more um, grid literate. Um, but but it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. Yeah. And it started to change. Uh, we have like some bigger, you know, the bigger examples of, you know, maybe some huge corporations where their whole roof will be solar panels. And, yeah. you know, you might, especially out here in Colorado, because of all the sunlight, I feel like we see solar farms and different things. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, even more modern, more kind of consumables like, you know, Elon Musk and like uh, Solar City with like, you know, them kind of bringing out, okay, like you can have a solar panel roof yeah, um, and different things. So it's becoming more aware, like people are becoming more aware of it, but it could, it just seems like a big problem. And yeah. so what can we do with this? And like, what, what kind of an impact do like, can we make? And then how did you kind of start to figure that out with like initially like custom solar panels that people can hang at their house? Like, is that making a dent in things? Yeah. I I think for me, when I, when I thought about tackling, when I, when I thought about tackling solar and like what group hug would be, I think it was definitely kind of looking at a Venn diagram of like, okay, what am I really good at and passionate at? And like, what does the industry or sort of the problem really need? Um, I knew that I wasn't going to start like a rooftop solar installation company. It's just like not, not my, wasn't my skill set. not necessarily what I, what I wanted to do. But I think um, looking at my, my toy design experience, I was like, well, I, I know that I'm good at making something that's educational and super fun and super easy to use. So maybe my place here is to create this entry point for people that they can take. Um, we say a lot at Group Hug, we're your first step in solar, but we're not your last. So, you know, creating something that could be a gift, that could be educational, that could be someone who just wants to get hands-on with solar for the first time mm-hmm. and figure out how it works. Um, I do think there's something powerful to like a, a small behavioral change where people might buy our solar charger um, and use it every day to charge their phone. And the act of like seeing it every day, using it every day, I think does sort of build 
this like long-term, for lack of a better word, relationship with solar versus doing nothing. Um, in terms of, in terms of the actual carbon impact, it is fairly small. It's a 10 watt solar panel. You know, it takes several years of using it every day to actually make a big difference. Um, you're not going to save a lot of money with it. You might save a couple dollars a year kind of thing because your phone and your small electronics don't use that much power. But to me, it sort of comes down to that, that educational piece where, somebody might not have even been interested in solar. And I think that's so important to understand the journey that people are on. And in business, we often look at like the buyer's journey or the customer's journey of, you know, kind of going from, you know, awareness, like somebody just becomes aware of the problem and then kind of the consideration where they start considering their options and then finally decision, like they're actually ready to buy stuff. But we usually look at that just with like our own product. And I think what I love about what you're doing is you're looking at like the industry um, yeah. of like, okay, there's different companies that are going to play different roles in the industry. And there's just this obsession in business where we feel like we have to dominate everything. Yeah. And so has it been challenging for you to um, kind of embrace the place of being like the first step? Or is that something that's been like kind of freeing in a way to like, like you don't have to solve all of it. doesn't sound like you're trying to solve all of solar's problems. I mean, I couldn't, right. It's just like not, I mean, I guess I could, but it, it just, it, there's so, you know, there's a, um, I don't know where this saying is from, but it's sort of like, there's room for everyone, right. There's room for everyone solving the problem in a different way. And I think I just really embrace that. You know, I think it, it's, it can be a double-edged sword, like being super niche and specific on that. I think we do get, um, we have, we do get people writing in sort of critical of the product that it's not really doing enough, but then we, you know, we also sell thousands of these every year of people who are getting into solar. So I think, you know, I think it's about finding that, finding that audience who gets it. Um, it's actually been very encouraging, you know, over the past few years, I've made a bunch of friends in the solar industry. And I think if you work in solar, they totally get it right away. They're like, oh, wow, this is a great way for people to get started because we, we've actually sold a bunch of um, sets to solar companies. So like rooftop solar companies that use them as like marketing and gifts to like try to get people right. more interested and educate them. So I think, yeah. you know, um, yeah, but I That's think it does help. It does help us like internally make decisions that like our places first step education, making stuff super fun and accessible. And then we can kind of strategically partner with companies and people to help them take the next step. Yeah. I think that's amazing. So tell me about what the product is like right now, where the company's at today. Sure. So um, right now, the the first product that we launched with is the window solar charger. It's a 10 watt solar panel inside of a bamboo frame that you can hang in your window to charge up small USB devices. It's it really designed. Cool. What'd you say? It looks cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank like you. it like looks like it looks like a piece of like window art. Yes, it's designed to look like home decor to like help people think about solar a little differently. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be like a rectangle slapped on your window. Like my first prototype, basically, 
Um, there's some pieces of the design that are really special. Like um, the solar cells are in this clear backing. So you can actually see all of the electronics. Um, light will pass through the solar panel so that you don't, um, you're not blocking light. Um, we are working on different shapes. So I'll actually show you, I've got a prototype in my window. We just sold. Oh, the cool. Sun. The sun is a little blocking it, but yeah, we no. just sold like a first batch of these actually to test them out. But and it's um, like a herringbone pattern. Yeah. A herringbone pattern. So like getting inspired. I only know that because we just designed a house that we're moving into. So oh, congratulations. I had no idea what that was before, but now I know what herringbone is. Yes. Herring, it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, getting inspired by like fashion and architecture and, and sort of designing things in unexpected ways. Um, so we, we, um, we sell those online on like an e-commerce site. Well, we actually don't have any retails retailers that we're working with yet. We're, we've got a, a pretty good, um, like email list and, and e-com momentum. So we're, I'm trying to just keep that going before we partner with partner with anyone. Um, and then on top of that, we also make like big custom shaped solar installations, um, typically for like businesses or museums, cause they're, they're like four feet by four feet, not for the typical house. Um, and the biggest one we've done today is soul is a cat shaped solar panel called solar cat that is in the New York hall of science. And it actually meows and it's interactive and um, that was, that's definitely one of, one of the most fun things I've ever yeah, made. That's really cool. So I imagine that it hasn't all been easy, especially, you know, at the beginning, we mentioned that, you know, not everybody is fans of solar. Um, you know, the whole energy conversation gets very political very quickly. And so talk to me about what have some of the bigger challenges been for you along this entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. Um, you know, I would say our number one challenge was manufacturing through COVID. It was just so challenging and slow and just like, diff I think just difficult for everyone. Um, like the, our um, contract manufacturing partner obviously was like shut down and short staffed. We ourselves were moving slower and it just, you know, it took like, three to six months longer than we wanted to. And then when that happens, we, we already had customers sort of on a backordered basis. There's, there's always a percentage of customers that will just be pissed, even though there's nothing, there's nothing we could do like the world shut down. So I think that, you know, last year was really tough. It was a really tough, like first year to be in business, yeah. like trying to get stuck, trying to make customers happy, trying to like design another version that that was probably the hardest, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. What were some of the things that you learned over, you know, kind of through all of that as a business owner? Yeah, honestly, um, I think one of the most important things is customer service. And I actually still read and answer a lot of, a lot of the ones that come in. And I, I think, um, I always feel really proud when I can turn an angry customer into someone who's like happy at, who's like happy with us at the end that like I could solve their problem for them. And like, we, we left in a good place. Um, and I think that is actually a, a skill. Like the first few that I answered, um, I like bad choice of words. Like it's, it's so hard to convey emotion over email. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's something where if, if someone writes an angry, I'm like, Oh, I'm confident that I can turn this around basically. Yeah. But it took, awesome. it took a lot of practice. Yeah. I think that's so important in the smaller days of business to be 
have that close interaction with like your actual stakeholders, with people that are actually purchasing your product. Totally. Um, yeah. Because you develop a, a level of empathy. Um, and I'm sure as you scale, you will no longer be doing customer service. Yeah. Um, but having that experience, I'm sure will help you to understand your customer a lot more. What is, you know, I, I hesitate to say at any time we're like past anything. So I know some people are feeling like, okay, we're past COVID or whatnot. Uh, I don't really think putting a marker on it is that relevant, but what is the next year to look like for group hug and what are you looking forward to and excited about? Yeah, definitely. I think if you're in manufacturing, COVID is definitely still thrown a wrench into things like we we're actually, so we're working on a prototype of a version two of the main 10 watt product. That will be a slightly different design. Um, a lot of improvements actually that we've heard from customers. That's part of why I also like being so hands-on in there. Cause I can just ask people, you know, what's going wrong. What do you need help mm -hmm. with? And I like, you know, once you see the same thing over again, you're like, okay, we have to fix that in the next yeah. version. Um, so we're working on a version two. Um, I'm super excited about that where we are likely to do another Kickstarter actually, just because we've built such a great, such a great yeah. community, great community with that. Um, um, th so yeah, the next year looks like a new product, which is exciting. Um, we, we are working on some new partnerships too, which I'm pretty excited about where, um, after people buy a solar charger, or even people who just follow us on social media or on our email list and haven't bought yet. One of the like number one questions we get is just like, I live in this zip code. What can I do? Um, and you know, it's um, I think over the years from sort of being, I would say like being in the industry, but also having like one eye outside the industry. Cause I, I am fairly new to it. Um, there are sort of like five ways any person could go solar. Um, I, I can list them really quickly, but I feel like it might raise more questions than answers, but. Well, no, let's do that because, uh, yeah, let's talk about those five ways kind of as a way to close the conversation, close sure. this conversation. Um, and then that's a great starting place for people to engage with you. Um, and, uh, kind of engage further with group hug and, and also just do more research on their own. Definitely, so, definitely. Yeah, I think um, that's a great way to close this conversation. So, so yeah, so just to set it up again, um, we get that question, like, I live in this zip code, like, I want to go solar, like, what should I do? And um, again, through customer service and just people writing in, I just end up answering that question over and over again. And the answer is, there is typically like five ways any person can go solar, sort of at different levels of impact. Um, the first one would be the most local rooftop solar. Not everybody can do this. Um, I don't have a roof. Like your roof might be too shady. Your roof might be too small for the amount of energy you use. Like there's a lot of different reasons. Um, you'll you'll get the best payback that way and you'll make the most impact just because you're literally, you know, switching. You can switch a, like 100% of your energy. Um, then there is community solar, which is basically if your roof isn't suitable, if you live in an apartment or a condo, you can subscribe to a local solar farm in your area, still get a discount on your electricity bill through that because you're like profit sharing through that. Mm. Um, but you don't have to install any equipment. It sort of is done through your utility. So that's a great option. I, I'm subscribed to a, a solar farm in New York since I can't do rooftop. Um, the next option um, is probably joining what's called uh, an, um, an ESCO. So an energy service company 
you've probably heard of them. Like um, Green Mountain Energy is like the most well-known one, Clean Choice Energy. Okay. Um, what these companies do is they there's a whole system of buying renewable energy credits on the grid. So um, I live in New York. If I joined, if I signed up for like Green Mountain Energy, I might have to pay like $10 more a month on my bill, but then they're buying renewable energy, um, you know, through wind farms in California or something like okay. that. So I, it's not coming to me, but I'm paying for like more demand for green energy on the grid, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, and then personal solar products. I think if, you know, if that's the only thing you can do, you can like, obviously we sell a solar panel. You can buy a solar panel. You can use it for hobbies. You can use it for small appliances. I actually have another hundred watt solar panel hooked up to this like big battery in my other window that I just like have as a backup for just for fun. Um, so there's a lot of hobby, like DIY things you can do, um, if that's your thing. And then these different, these different things are sort of available on a commercial level too. You can do like commercial level, community solar, commercial mm -hmm. level, if you're a business. Um, but that honestly, those options kind of cover everyone. If you're in yeah. college, if you're in an apartment, if you're a rooftop, if you're a business, um, right. and a lot of times you actually aren't paying a lot of money up front, which I think is kind of a misconception. You, you can typically finance any one of these. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's great. And I encourage all of our listeners to look more into it and to check it out uh, the, you know, your website is group hug, group hug tech.com. And yep. you have done a good job. Like the, the brand is fun. Thank um, you. <laughs> it seems like, and I, and I imagine like, especially if you're thinking about education and what kind of education you can bring to the market, like I think anytime we're bringing more creative education and onboarding people into more sustainable rhythms, I think that's huge. And I think that's amazing. So it certainly is going to be fun to see, uh, see where you go over the next couple of years. What's the best way uh, for people to get in touch with you and your company, Crystal? Yes, definitely. Um, I would say um, follow us on Instagram. We're pretty active. We're group hug solar. You can also, um, I love answering solar questions. So you can also email me. I'm crystal, K-R-Y-S-T-A-L at grouphugtech.com. Cool. That's awesome. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for joining the show. We really appreciate it. And, My pleasure. Uh, yeah. As we head into, it's August now, but as people start thinking about the holidays, I hope that uh, you are, you are gifts. You, your products are gifts for a lot of, <laughs> thank a you. Lot of people. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the Small Business Storytellers. If you've wanted to start a podcast and have been wondering if you can use podcasting to grow your business, but don't know where to start, I'd love to talk. Head to successwithstories.com slash podcast to learn exactly how to launch, grow, and profit from a podcast for your business. Again, that is successwithstories.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this episode, share it with someone you know who would also like it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would be a great guest on the show, let me know. Thank you, and we will see you next time on the Small Business Storytellers.